0: you're listening to the Her podcast conversations with women who have taken matters into their own hands and created careers that they love if you're feeling disconnected at work i'm hopeful that these conversations with inspiring women will help us all find our way in whatever industry we want to be in or even find the courage to take the leap of faith to quit the day job and go out on our own so let's get into today's episode So for today's episode I got to talk to Katie Wales who is the founder of Cotton Lily which is a sustainable brand selling eco-friendly products helping people to live a plastic free life. Um, we talked about starting a business while working full time, um, taking a leap and committing to part-time hours with her current job which she, sh- she struggled with in the beginning um, and just giving advice for getting started on your brand um, or side hustle and and turning it into an eventual business. So I've linked all of Cotton Lily's um, social media handles in the show notes Um, so do go and check Katie out and let's get on with the show. So
1: my name is Katie Wales and I am the designer maker behind my one woman business Cotton Lily. So I hand make reusable alternatives so people can lead plastic free Zero waste lives. So at the moment, my product range has um, reusable face pads, reusable produce bags, reusable tea bags. Everything's reusable, so we're not throwing things away into the landfill that can't biodegrade. Mm-hmm. So that's basically what Cotton Lily is. Do you make the products yourself, or do you outsource? No, I I make everything myself. Mm-hmm. If I have any outsourcing, it's my mum. So <laughs> she will help me catch up when I'm falling a bit behind yeah or, or there is one of the products in the range that is solely made by her she designed it and made it herself so I just sell them for her and that's the reusable breast pads okay for, um, you know new mums yeah.
0: yeah yeah so how did it all how did like what was the journey like why, why did you want to start this business
1: um it never really had any intention of starting it all happened naturally. by accident so back in I think it was summer 2018 um we had Blue Planet 2 um, Mm. stream on BBC and at the end of it David Attenborough talked about um you know the plastic pollution problem and he really showed it in depth what was going on and until I saw that I didn't really visualize what was going on out there Mm. so then I started digging, digging a bit more into it and um found this challenge called plastic free July mm. and when I looked into it they had things like reusable face pads and I've been using face wipes and cotton yeah. pads before that mm. and I thought well I've got a textiles degree from way 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 back um why don't I just put my skills to use and make myself my own ones and reusable produce bags to take this to the supermarket so I could pick mm. up loose produce rather than the prepackaged stuff
0: yeah
1: um So that was it i started making my own ones and then my friends saw them and they wanted some so i gave them some and they were in love with them
0: Mm.
1: and it all just sort of stemmed from there i was like i'll just set up my own online shop and see where this goes and literally as soon as i got them online
0: they they took off so what was the transition like between from what we what everybody was like before with using you know plastic straws and cotton pads and face wipes and mm. everything else to to where you are now what what was that transition like for you um
1: so converting from one to the other or seeing how others are doing it
0: well, both really.
1: um so for myself I found it quite easy to be honest mm. when when I started doing that plastic free july I just found Quite a simple thing to do. Um, Metal straws were available. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you had to shop around for it, but you could do it and going to farm shops and um local small businesses, that's where you would tend to find things out of plastic. Mm. So that's how I started to do it. Um, but looking at the the transition over time, when I did my first ever makers market, which was not long after I launched, so I launched in October 2018. And then I think I did my first handmaker's market at the beginning of November. Mm. And nobody really had a clue what I was about, what the products were about. They didn't really mm. get that connection. Mm-hmm. Um, probably six to eight months later, when I did my next maker's market, which was a huge success for me, um, so many people were more mm. um, educated on it. Yeah. So when they walked past and they were like, oh, I've seen these online. I've been looking for them or, mm. you know, oh, that's such a good idea. And I had things like reusable tea bags where people just didn't even realize that glue, the glue that seals the actual tea bag has plastic in it. Mm. So when I explained it to them and then they saw the concept of the design, they were like, oh, that's such a great idea. And Actually, mm. that's turned into one of my biggest sellers. Yeah, that's
0: that's really good. Is there anything that you found during your research of all of these products that surprised you the most with the with the things that aren't recyclable or that are really bad for the environment?
1: Probably was those tea bags, to be honest, because yeah. for years, like when I was little, um, I mean, we're going way back, so I'm nearly 36. But um, my nan, she used to just throw her tea bags on the compost heap. Yeah. And we didn't we didn't think anything of it. I'm no. sure they will biodegrade down eventually but yeah. there will be those traces of plastic in it and it wasn't until um when I first started doing that design which I think was the beginning of last year that I actually realized that the glue contained plastic that wasn't going to break down so we've been throwing them on the compost heap for years but they weren't going anywhere <laughs>
0: So I want to kind of like go back a little bit and find out a bit about what you were like at school your education what you were good at what you were bad at anything that you particularly yeah. liked doing you mentioned that you've got a textiles degree so how yeah. so how has your background in education kind of informed the way that you run your business now Yeah so all the way through
1: school I was I think I was very quiet very shy Mm -hmm. that's what the teachers always used to say oh yes she's very very good but she could talk up a bit more (laughs) um which I do now (laughs) I do now made up for time um but I was always good at art always um that came from my mum's um talents um but yeah, te- textiles was always there from the beginning. So my first encounter with textile design or fabric manipulation was when I was learning how to do batik, which is like wax painting onto fabric and things like that. So I was always interested in textiles. Mm-hmm. Um, went into A-levels, did art, got A- A's in art, failed in everything else, but <laughs> <A's in> art. <laughs> yeah. um, I was actually terrible at business studies. Oh, wow. I failed epically at business studies but that was back in 2001 2002 so businesses back then are not what they are now so it's so much easier now for people to launch their own businesses Mm -hmm. so yeah the way it used to be taught I was not interested at all and failed terribly Um, anyway I went on to do my art foundation and then went into my degree which was textiles um, got a first class honors in that. So textiles has always been my strong point. But then, coming out of uni, as many of us I'm sure do, we have these grand expectations that we're going to fall into the fashion industry or yeah. become fashion designers, and that happens for the few. Mm-hmm. Um, so that didn't happen for me. But I ended up going into retail as a selling assistant. But then fell into visual merchandising. Um, Which is actually where I met you all those years ago. So, yeah, so I went into John Lewis as a selling assistant, but moved into visual merchandising three months later and stayed with them for a further eight years. Um, Loved it, absolutely loved it. It was creative, it was hands on, it was physical. You managed your own time, which is what I love. Um, When my time was coming to an end with John Lewis, I went to IKEA to be a visual merchandiser there. Mm. Stayed with them for a further three years. Um, and during that time was when Cotton Lily launched. So at first it was just um, shall we say, a hobby that would bring me in a little bit of pocket money mm. and I'd come home from work, go straight onto the dining table and get cracking on orders. So I was working nonstop, I didn't stop. Um But then it started to build, the range built, people started to discover me more Um, and that's when the ambition came that actually I want this side hustle to eventually go full time Mm -hmm. and become fully self-employed so that I could live the lifestyle that I want to live, Mm -hmm. which is quite a slow one Um, and I'll explain (laughs) that a bit later. Um, But um, yeah, so then I decided to request a flexible working request to drop a day in the week so that I could have that day to spend on cotton lily and then at least it gave me the flexibility that if it didn't work I could go back into full-time work Hmm. or if it does it just gives me that spare day in the week where I can push it I can work on the marketing all that sort of thing just to try and grow that business because I knew it wasn't in The position it needed to be Mm -hmm. to take it full-time and then um in january no february of this year i decided this was the time to make the leap and went into a part-time job which barely covers the bills (laughs) but i needed that break to just go for it. Yeah. So I've got that income so that it just makes it, but I've also got that bit of fear factor there. So it pushes mm. me to, mm. you know, really grow my business that I have worked so hard to get to where it is now and to keep going with it. And eventually, hopefully this year
0: it will go full time, mm-hmm. but that's where I'm at now. So what is it about working for yourself that is so appealing for you? Cause some people, I mean, I guess with a lot of people working from home at the minute they they're hating it. I'm seeing so many people on social media moaning about mm. working from home they don't like they don't like the the fact that they have to live and work in the same space that they're struggling managing their time. So what is it about working for yourself that is actually really attractive for you i think
1: I think I get what they're saying because when I first started and I was working for my dining table, it was awful because you couldn't step away from it but now I've actually got a shed in the garden which is where I'm speaking from Mm. now so this is now like my little studio so I've got my own little building that I Mm. can close the door on and walk away from Um, but I love it because it's finally given me that space to live a routine that I want to live by Mm. I'm not I'm not dictated to of how I should work and when I should work by someone else yeah um I don't know if you've ever done it but there's a quiz called Gretchen Rubin or by Gretchen Rubin Mm. of um what personality type you are and I always come up as the questioner because (laughs) I I um I don't like doing things unless I truly believe in them Mm. or I see a real reason to do it Mm -hmm. so people with that personality type don't work well in um you know, your normal everyday job, I would say. Yeah. So there's a management structure. Yeah. Whereas here, because I'm managing myself, I can I can play it how I want to, mm. basically. And that's, that's what I'm loving about this time of being at home is, you know, I can set my alarm for 8.30. Yeah. I'll give myself two hours to slowly ease myself into work mode and I'll yeah. start at 10 o'clock. Have lunch at one. Mm. Switch off at five or six. When I say switch off. I, I never switch off. <laughs> Once you start doing your own business, you become a workaholic because you can't switch off. But yeah, that's what I love about it is that I I can do it
0: how I want to do it. It's funny how because the world has changed so much, so in such a short space of time, that it's almost like the the office atmosphere has become a bit outdated, and that mm. we can work from home and you can you know you, like you said you could sleep in you could wake up at nine and start at 10 and then you know work into the night if that's how you want to or you could wake up at three in the morning and work and you still get the same yeah. amount of work done it's just that nine to five idea of a job is not for everyone
1: yeah exactly it's not for everyone and each individual has their peak times of working yeah they more productive times of the day everyone's different mm. um and I think by Having this opportunity to work at home at the moment, we can see Mm. how it works for us and what
0: are our priorities in life. So that's that's what I'm enjoying about this time. Do you think that this whole coronavirus work from home thing it will change um companies in the future? Do you think that more people will will think that, you know, it's actually okay to allow people to work from home? Um, I hope
1: so. I don't know if the bigger corporations will I, I really don't know but I I hope people will be more open to the idea of that work life balance and how it works for the individual. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I th- I think that a lot of people will um because they they, they realize that the business will keep running <laughs> if people yeah. don't have to be all be together at the same desk. Meeting in a room, you know, you can do a Zoom call, and it's exactly the same as being in person. Exactly. So, exactly. Uh, I think it's it's just it will be interesting to see in you know six twelve months time or however long we're we're stuck at home for. But, yeah.
1: Um, and people that have kids. I mean, I don't have kids, and I don't plan to have any. But those that do, the amount of money that they have to spend on healthcare, uh, not healthcare, sorry, yeah, um, childcare, yeah, it 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 just, yeah. it confuses me because you know you 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 bring a child into this world because you want to have a family but you have to go and get a job to afford (laughs) child someone else to pay for it (laughs) or someone else to pay for it yeah Yeah. so I I hope that it helps people in those sorts of situations as well or or those that are looking after their parents and carers I I think it could give a lot more flexibility and kindness to people
0: yeah um Moving on to um, when you first started Cotton Lily, obviously you were working at the same time as starting your sort of side hustle as well. Mm-hmm. Did you have any financial struggles in terms of any layout costs initially, or has that kind of did you kind of save up to start it? How how did you go about the finance side of it?
1: Um, I wasn't in any financial difficulty, but um other podcasts that I've listened to and things like that I've um you often hear and you know it's lovely for them um you often hear that people have either been in quite high paid jobs that they've been able to save to launch their own business or Mm. they have um a partner who earns enough that they can support you whilst you're launching your own business but that's not something I had the privilege of um you know I've always got mum and dad to call on if I need to I don't want to but I know that they're there to support me if I needed to but um yeah so I I kind of needed that income from my full-time job to get going the initial costs were um very very minimal Mm. um because and they are kind of today as well because i make everything to order I don't cut everything up and make a batch load So if I do want to change the design or anything like that, I still have a full load of fabric that I haven't used yet. So I tend to work made to order, Um, setting up a website. They're easy to do now. You've got places like Wix and GoDaddy, uh, Big Cartel was who I was with first. And many of them have their own free initial platforms. You'll only get a limited space on it. But just to test the waters of how you think it's going to go, you can do it, you could pretty much do it free initially. Um, so yeah, th- those costs at the beginning didn't really affect me that much.
0: Yeah. So obviously you were working part-time at the same time as launching. What was the hardest thing about the initial launch? Did you have any doubts about it? Um, not really. I think um, I was just... Got- going with
1: the flow really I was just it It never I never had the thought that this was going to be um, a full-on business I just thought I'll throw it out there and see what happens so there wasn't really any nerves about it at the at the first stages I did hit my nervous stage when I went um, part-time at IKEA which was about eight months after or six months after I launched um I sat there on that first Wednesday where I'd gone through the flexible working request and got the day off sat there on the first initial Wednesday looking for new fabrics and just thought what the hell have I done (laughs) what have I done you absolute idiot how are you going to be able to pay your bills how are you going to pay off your credit card bills all of this all of this stuff and that was that was the only full-on moment of doubt that I have experienced mm. and then I kind of
0: gave myself a kick out the ass and just said come on, girl you can do this <laughs> yeah so how have I'm you found um obviously you're a very creative person you've got a very creative background how have you found balancing that creative side of you with the business number side like how do you balance that I just crack on with it to be honest I mm. because because
1: the making side of it is creative um and hands-on I love doing that and then obviously there's the photo side of it as well my photos have got a bit better recently because I invested some time in turning the spare room into a photo studio and um, trying to do that side of it um in terms of numbers I'm not really a numbers person but the way that I've kind of got more into the business mind of side of things is I Um, joined a um, small business mentoring group called Nurture and Thrive which is run by Josephine Brooks and um, basically every quarter you set yourself a 12-week plan Mm -hmm. and it works by having three goals to set yourself to complete within those 12 weeks and um, mine will be a bit like for this, for this quarter, I've got one based around visibility, one based around productivity, and one based around self-care. Um, so with the visibility and the productivity, it's all those types of things that will eventually lead into your numbers mm. and bringing those sales in. So you've got to look at that creative side mm. and the visibility side of things to get people to buy into you. They need that no like, trust mm-hmm. um, aspect with you So Mm -hmm. once you get all that side of it, all the creative and marketing side of it, then naturally the sales come and the numbers hopefully go up. Yeah. Um, I tend to do, I mean, I'm working on it now and it's doing a lot better now, but I do my, before we went into lockdown, my most successful um, place to make sales was at handmakers markets where people could physically interact with Mm -hmm. the product. Mm -hmm. Um, So now because of lockdown, I've had to find, other ways of portraying that to the customer over social
0: media Mm. so is it is it part of your plan then to eventually have some sort of physical shop or somewhere where people can actually come and like you say test and feel the product themselves um I don't want to have my
1: own shop Mm -hmm. but I am well but prior to lockdown I was stocked in six shops so I do do wholesale as well Mm -hmm. Um, and they do tend to do quite well with my products. And it's it appeals to the market where people want handmade goods. They appreciate the skill that's gone into it. It's not been made in a sweatshop in China. It has yeah. been made in the UK mm-hmm. by me. If they went online, they would see me, the maker. So they know who it is that's made that product. So they want the handmade element but they like that feel-good factor yeah. of they're, they're saving the planet or yeah. contributing towards it just anyway. Doing something good, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. So what would you say for somebody who has never even considered anything about saving the planet before, what would you say would be the first step or something, just one thing they could do to start to make a bit of a difference?
1: Yeah, um, the, the simplest thing they could do, is um, go to places like farm shops or small independents. If that is not accessible to them, you can still go plastic-free in your supermarkets. The first thing you can do is when you go to pick up your fruit and veg, don't get the uh, prepackaged items. Go loose. you can get reusable produce bags of which I sell myself but even if you don't have those you can just put them in straight in your trolley it doesn't matter you don't need to have something to pick them up with and that's just one simple swap right there and half the time when we buy these pre-packaged things we never get to the end of the packet before they start to go off anyway so it causes a load of waste and you've wasted your money doing it so there's one little swap there but things like and this, this would take a bit of getting used to it. It took me a bit of time to get used to. Um, next time you buy your new toothbrush, get a bamboo toothbrush. It does feel weird having <laughs> a bamboo in your mouth, but it's it's
0: all right. Yeah, I so think something just... something that I changed that um took a bit of getting used to was not using face wipes anymore. So I, I just use a yeah. cloth and a cleanser. But I think, I don't know, I was just so used to using face wipes that, in fact yeah, now I now I realize that I wasn't actually cleaning my face properly anyway but well you, you just get so used to what you do especially with the face wipes because it's such a routine thing to do you do yeah. it every single day but then when you think about how many you go through sometimes it would be two a day um and you think oh my god if you if you saw that pile of, of face wipes that you go yeah. through in a year oh my yeah. god you'd be so disgusted
1: <laughs> no I was exactly the same and not only that since having my own reusable face pads um the amount of money i've saved
0: mm.
1: not having to go to the supermarket yeah. every time i run out of a packet to go get some more yeah and it just seems we've got so used to this um disposable yeah throw away throwaway, yeah. exactly. yeah. um, when there was no need for it we never used to do it I mean they survived years before we invented all of that but yeah you can save so much money
0: and the planet at the same time just by going reusable yeah do you think there are any um or well what are the misconceptions that people think about about eco-friendly products or you know trying to save the planet with your everyday products like what are the misconceptions that that people often think about it I think the misconceptions and I've heard this from a few people is that it's
1: expensive and it's for you know high earning middle class yeah middle class yeah yeah. um but it's it's really not it's for any and everybody yes there is that initial cost that's going to be more than you throw away but in the long term Mm. it ends up being cheaper Mm. so it's just one of those things where and I hope that lockdown will help with this as well, is that people need to see the value in that investment mm. and how much it's going to help them and
0: the planet in the process. Mm. Did you um previously know anything about launching a product based business before you before you started? I didn't I didn't really know anything about launching a product based
1: business before this. I'd seen other people doing it. One of my friends, she launched her jewellery business not long before me. Um, And we kind of got together and talked ideas through and she gave me advice on where she'd signed up her website and things like that. Um, So there's lots of people that sort of following on Instagram and other small business friends that we've sort of helped each other out along the way. Um, the, The main thing I have learned um throughout this is the importance of investing in yourself. Mm. so developing yourself learning new skills um you don't have to go to um joining a mentoring group like I have but you know reaching out to other small business owners um having an accountability buddy always helps it's nice to have those people around you that are in the same boat mm-hmm. or a, a sim or on a sim- similar journey where you, know, you can just bounce ideas off each other and um yeah it's
0: just, is, is that yeah. what keeps you motivated by you know opening up to people and saying this is what I'm doing this is my business and the for, for me we, I mean talking personally about this podcast it was like the more people I told that's why I put it on social media the more mm. people I told the more I'd have to do it <laughs> because yeah there's more people being like oh where's her podcast why is she not doing anything you know so yeah. the more people you tell the more pressure there is to actually succeed so yes. it's the same for you yeah it's exactly the same for me it's something i've learned from the
1: mentoring group with josephine but actually um you know it's all right telling your friends and that is good that your friends know and mm. they can hold you accountable to it uh, to it but if you put it on social media then your followers are expecting mm. that thing that you've mentioned to happen. So like last night, I posted about how I was nervous about doing this podcast. Mm. At the time of recording this, they don't know about the podcast, but they will afterwards. <laughs> um, and um, like last week, I got my first 1,000 uh, followers. And mm. to celebrate that, I've launched a newsletter and mm. you know talked about it all over social media. Mm. So because I've now talked about it, I've mm. now got to do it. Yeah. I have to do it. So yeah, yeah I find by putting things out into the public arena
0: yeah. forces you to do it. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's, that's actually a really good idea for somebody who's starting out in a business because it's like, if you're in, in your day job, you have your boss keeping you accountable. But when you go out on your own, there's no one there to like, you know, give you a slap yeah. and say, come on, you need to get this done by the end of the week or whatever. Um, yeah. But how have you found like the marketing side of it like have you had to um where have you got your information where have you learned your your skill in in that respect um
1: I wouldn't say it was quite my strong point yet I think it's it's getting a lot better now Mm -hmm. um and it's taken me a long a long time to work out what I feel is right for my brand so when it came to Instagram I was just randomly posting all sorts of different things there was no rhythm to it Mm. whereas now because I've got my 12-week plan and one of my focuses is visibility and productivity um I've invested that time in I don't know so for example on week one of my 12-week plan for this quarter uh, I invested two to three days in literally spending the entire day setting up um photographs and just getting some really, really nice in styled shots of my products that the yeah. customer can engage with. Um, so one, now that I have all those photographs already in my phone, I don't need to think about that until probably the next quarter. Because I've got enough image um, images there that will keep me posting consistently for the next mm. 12 weeks.
0: Have you got any advice for anybody who's currently working full time? and maybe wants to turn their side hustle into a maybe not even a full-time thing yet, but, but an actual viable business. Have you got any advice for somebody who doesn't really know where to start with that?
1: Yeah. So if you're in a full-time business as I was initially, and you've got your business started and you've got the hope that maybe it might go into full-time one day, but you're not really sure if it's going to be a sustainable business. Um, one thing I tried doing initially was I had a week's holiday booked, and I spent that week working as if my side hustle had been a full-time mm. job. Mm-hmm. So I know that's it's only a, really a good week, idea. So there's only, yeah. only a little sneak peek into yeah. what it could be like, but it's just a way of maybe have a go at what your ideal routine would be like, mm. and just test the waters that way. If if that's um, you know, if it turns out to be something that you, you do want to pursue more, then um, see if your employer does do flexible working requests. Is there a way of dropping a day a week or maybe working slightly different hours that you could fit more of your side hustle mm. around it? And then eventually it might be either the time to make that leap where you do take it full time mm. or maybe go into a smaller part time job like I've done where you've still got that financial stability but you've got more time you've got that spare time to yeah. crack on with your business there's, there's always going to be that point where you won't go from a full-time job into your side hustle taking it full-time and be mm. on the same wages or yeah. s- bringing in the same money that you were. there will always be that little dip mm. before you build it back up again so you, mm. you just have to face the fear and go for it eventually
0: is there anything that you've particularly struggled with? I mean, obviously, you're, you're doing it part time. So you haven't, you've still got that kind of background there. But mm. is there anything that you've struggled with in terms of logistics? Or it could be marketing, it could be anything that maybe you, um, you've overcome it and learned something from it? Um,
1: I would say there were some things back in the early days where because I was only just starting out, I did have a few bad experiences where I thought I may have been taken advantage of okay. or, I'd, or I had actually undervalued my own work mm-hmm. so that came into pricing um, and back in the initial stages I've massively undervalued my work and people were getting things really really cheap from me which you know great for them but <laughs> <laughs> um, it didn't really help me and it undervalued the quality in the making of the Mm. products that I was putting out there um so yeah those are some things that I've overcome and that took me a long while to get there because I wanted the business and I felt by keeping them at this low price um you know gonna get lots of orders that's great that's great but actually it's not that's not what it's about it's about um
0: you know knowing your worth and Mm being paid for the skill and time that's been put into it. So how has that experience changed the way that you do things now? Um I'm a lot more confident
1: now in my own selling. Mm. So whether that's face to face with the customer or when it comes to wholesale um I have calculated all my costs, all my time, everything like that. So I'm confident in where everything is priced at the moment. So when I am questioned at least I have answers for everything hmm. yeah.
0: so in terms of um the brand itself evolving how do you see it kind of changing over the next five ten fifteen hundred years <laughs> <laughs> how do, how well. do you see that journey
1: <laughs> well this time next year Rodney um, <laughs> I, um yeah I to be honest I don't have not that I don't have high hopes for it. That's the wrong word. I don't have grand expectations for Cotton Lily. Mm. For me, my own personal goal is that it goes full time. It's a sustainable business that brings in enough income to keep a roof over my head and a little bit of disposable income that I can treat myself every now and again. Yeah. So I'm not looking for a six-figure income from it or, you know, employing hundreds of people to come and mm. work for me that's that's not what it's about it's mm. about yeah having a sustainable business that enables me to lead the
0: slower lifestyle that mm. I've always wanted. Yeah why, why do why are you interested in the slower lifestyle because it's quite interesting <laughs> that you say that um you know you're not interested in six figures and whatever because a lot of people would be the opposite they'd say I want an office in this building in London and I want to employ this many people and I want to have four holidays a year. And you know, they'd have really, really high expectations. So yeah. what, why is it that you, that you don't have that? What, what is the slower pace of life that you're looking for?
1: I guess I've always been like that. I've never been a materialistic person, never have. Um, and when I was younger, you know, my favorite days that I remember would be sitting in the back garden in the sun with my nan picking marigold seeds and drying them out you know that they just always stuck with me that those Sunday those slow Sunday afternoons with your grandparents that's how I remember it being and I just appreciate more of the smaller things in life so I know it's I am a proper geek I'm a self-confessed geek but I remember (laughs) when I first started this business and I said that I had my shed now to work in and people at work were saying, oh, what music do you listen to while you're working? How was like, I honestly don't listen to music. I just leave the doors open and listen to the robin that sits outside. <laughs> I'm quite happy just sitting here, yeah. listening to the birds, and just appreciating um, nature, what's, what's going on around me. I don't want to be stuck inside my phone all day, although sometimes that can happen. But, you know, just that slower pace of life where I get up when I want to I eat when I want to I get to spend days at home with my dog which I mean she's my baby she's what the business is named after Lily (laughs) Um, and you know my my parents are getting on my dad's an older dad Um, I want to have that time where I haven't got to go and request time off work or go go report to someone to say Mm -hmm. oh my dad's not well I want uh, I need time to go and see him I just Mm. want to be able to go yeah um and not think about it so Mm. yeah I guess that's what I'm after really just freedom (laughs) freedom to do it how you want to do it
0: yeah no I really really like that and I think that's quite refreshing because I think a lot of people would be the complete opposite so yeah I think that's quite refreshing to hear actually um so where where can people find Cotton Lily online so i am on instagram at
1: cotton underscore lily Mm -hmm. um i'm also on facebook at cotton lily shop and then i do have my own website which is www.cottonlily.co.uk
0: cool and i'm going to link to everything in the show notes as well so if anybody's listening and they want to check out cotton lily then you can find all the links there so thank you katie (laughs) that was really lovely talking to you Thank you so much for listening to the Invent podcast. If you liked today's episode, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also connect with me on social media where I'm at the Invent Her podcast. I would love to hear from you.